Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your pitchers and catchers have reported home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, part of the SB Nation family of team sites. And you should definitely check us out. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcast because it helps other people find Cup of Cubby Blue right in time for baseball season. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am trying to control my heart palpitations right now because I just watched video of Cubs players at spring training. Okay, well, you are going to have to tell me about that video because I haven't seen it yet, and we will definitely tweet it from the Cup of Cubby Blue account. Andy, it has been a pretty good week for Cubs fans, not going to lie. Um. Okay, so yes, I have to just go ahead and say it that after we recorded last week, um, I want to say it was the same day that we recorded, and I was kind of like, seriously, we couldn't have gotten this a couple hours before. <laughs> um, Jake Arrieta made his um, reunion official with the Chicago Cubs, and holy wow, like if w- women Cubs fans everywhere are not so happy <laughs> for a couple different reasons, a couple different reasons, not just because he's very, very easy on the eyes, but it's also, you know, it's so nice. This video that I spoke of is, has um, some good footage of Jake Arrieta warming up and and doing some of his yoga poses that we love so much and things like that. And, um, but it's so nice to see him in Cubs gear. It's so good to see him back in that uniform. And um, it's also a, a little sad, I will say, because as I started watching it, I'm like, um, I saw a guy that resembled Kyle Schwarber and I was like, nope, not Kyle Schwarber. Aww. And then I heard a voice that I was like, oh my gosh, it sounds like John Lester. Nope, not John Lester. So things like that are a little jarring because you really have to like kind of sit back and think about it for a second. Like who are the faces and the voices that I'm used to hearing every, you know, year in, year out that I'm not going to hear this year. So that part is a little sad, but it is also quite, you know, it's exciting when you see new players in Cubs gear and, and, you know, the possibilities that bring. So, you know, you got, you get to see um, Zach Davies and you get to see Trevor Williams and um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's intriguing at the same time. It, it's bittersweet. Cause it's like, uh, you know, there's a couple people there that should, that aren't there that should be there, that sort of thing. But to see Jake Arietta kind of just makes up for all of it. I mean, not, it doesn't take the pain all the way away, but it's so like, I kind of had to pinch myself like, whoa, is this really happening? I mean, not only because he is so easy on the, easy on the guys, and I will say that a few times, so I, I apologize. <laughs> this is a female podcast about baseball, so I am allowed to appreciate the gifts that God gives us, and Jake Arrieta is one of them, so... <laughs> Okay, so I'm probably not going to get excited about anything Zach Davies or Trevor Williams just yet. I'm trying, people, but I it's just really hard. I was super excited about Jake Arrieta, and he definitely did sign as I was editing our last podcast. I swear to God, people, every time Andy and I record, news breaks like within an hour. <laughs> so if we record a podcast, news is guaranteed to break before we can release said podcast, which probably means the Cubs are going to sign some ridiculous extension with Javi Baez or Chris Bryant or something as soon as I start editing this down. Um, If that happens, we'll let you know about it, obviously, here first. That has not happened as of this recording. But I was really stoked to see that Jake Arrieta was back for a couple of reasons. And one of them I wrote about on the site. You should definitely check it out. But I think that Jake Arrieta, well, look, people, he is not going to return to 2015 Jake Arrieta, best hit pitcher in the history of the game. Jake Arrieta 
but he is probably going to come closer to his 2017 self than he was to his 2018 or 19 self. I don't know how many people remember this, but in his time with the Phillies, Jake was really outspoken about how he felt their inability to shift appropriately was costing him runs and it was causing him to lose baseball games that were winnable. And one of the things that I looked at for this piece about Jake when he signed is just how many Cubs pitchers are overperforming their fifth. So I'll just like real brief sabermetrics thing here. I'm not trying to bore you as you check this out, but fifth stands for fielding independent pitching. It by design does not take into account the defense you have behind you. And that's a really useful thing if you're trying to compare two pitchers across different teams and you want to know who's better. But when you look at a pitcher and their performance with a particular team, it's worth knowing that the good defense behind you is controlling runs. And so Jake Arrieta overperformed his fifth with the Cubs, went to the Phillies, and then basically became his ERA was his fifth or a little bit over his fifth. And what that tells me, uh, in addition to the fact, one other point here, the every Cubs pitcher who was qualified between 2016 and 2020 starting pitchers, I didn't look at relievers and people with like 10 innings and stuff, overperformed their FIP except Jose Quintana. And what that tells me is that the Cubs have some awesome defense behind them. They know how to shift. They're doing a really good job of run prevention as a team, which means I think that Jake Arrieta is going to have a resurgence with the Cubs. Andy, this is going to blow your mind, but you know how we always talk about like Kyle Hendricks is such a ground ball pitcher. He's so great at controlling contact, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. Jake Arrieta is even better. Jake Arrieta is a better ground ball pitcher and has maintained that than Kyle Hendricks. So I am super stoked about this. I think we're looking at 2017, Jake. And I just remember, look, even after 2015 and 2016, Jake Day, you always knew you were going to get a great start. You always knew he was going to come in and do exactly what needed to happen, even if he didn't have it that day. And I'm totally here for this. Um, Yes. And can we also just talk about, like, there's something about, like, his swag and his... I don't, his presence, I guess, on the mound, like it is just, I mean, I'm intimidated and I'm a Cubs fan. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's just, he's just so like matter of fact and like, you know, like this is, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I can't help you. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get you out. Like, that's just the way it's going to work. And then when he does it, like, it's like he expected to do that every single time. Listen, not every pitcher has that swag. You're going to see that with, with other Cubs pitchers this year, there's a certain, there's a different swag for every pitcher, but Jake Arrieta's swag is just so like, I don't, it it is very intimidating. And and like to watch him walk off the mound and like the way he grabs at the neck of his Jersey and like, just kind of, you know, like his chest a little puffed up and everything. Like I just miss that. And that is going to be so fun to watch again this year. And definitely if he's able to be effective in the way of, you know, 2017, Jake Arrieta, like, I'm all about it. Let's do this. Whatever he can bring to the table, I have a feeling he will. And Lord knows he is in great shape physically. He takes great care of himself. He is one of somebody that we have documented, you know, feverishly that he is a yoga Pilates guy. So he is very well in tune with himself. So he is going to go out there and he's going to give us 
his best every single time. And we're going to get good, effective innings from him. And I am totally here for this. And please, Lord, please let fans be in the stands at some point this season so I can see Jake Arrieta with my own two eyeballs. Absolutely. And one of the other things I want to hit on here, you know, part of the reason I was so keen on the Cubs bringing back John Lester is that clubhouse presence. He gives you a real veteran leader presence in the pitching staff. No offense to Kyle Hendricks, but his whole thing is like soft-spoken, not super out there, no emotion, right? Like I feel like he's not going to be the guy telling the young pitchers on the staff what they need to do differently and how they need to pull things together in order to win. And you need both of those things. But I was real nervous that pulling John Lester out of that clubhouse left a leadership void on the pitching side that I wasn't sure how the Cubs were going to fill. And Jake Arrieta absolutely fills that void. He is somebody who can come in, speak with authority, command the respect of those young starters, command the respect of the bullpen and set the tone really. And I'm here for it. I love the way Jake Arrieta handles himself on and off the field. And I agree with you. I cannot wait to be at Wrigley Field for Jake Arietta start, I'm going to cry. I'm definitely going to cry. <laughs> Listen, I have to give proper credit, though, because I just realized I didn't even say where I saw this video, but our own Bleed Cubby Blue, Al Yellen, posted this in his write-up about, um, I think it was yesterday, um, about the kind of the first update since pitchers and catchers reported. So make sure you check that out. I've already retweeted it. I'm sure we'll retweet it from um, the pod Twitter handle. So look for that. It is great footage. You'll get to lay your eyes on some new cubbies in, um, in Cubs gear, which is, you know, like I said, it's always kind of intriguing. Um, but the other thing I think that was so kind of heartwarming and like just made me appreciate the relationship that Jake Arrieta had with, you know, Chicago Cubs fans and, and Chicago Cubs employees is you, you also got to see some of him like kind of walking around and like, um, I don't know if it's the field attendance or who it was, but it was obviously Chicago Cubs employees or maybe even like the stadium employees, but he's giving fist bumps to everybody. So you can see the excitement of having him back is definitely there. And we're not the only ones that are jumping for joy on this. So it'll be, it'll be really cool. And I, I actually like, you know, as I try and find this positivity that we all like really need in our lives right now surrounding the Chicago Cubs 2021 baseball team, Jake Arrieta is definitely helping with that side of it. And I'm, I'm definitely, you know, it, it's not what I expected at the beginning of the off season, but it's a pleasant surprise. It's not, I don't feel like going to fill what everything we need, obviously, but emotionally it's, it's a feel good story and we really need that right now. 100% welcome back Jake Arietta. Oh, and if you don't follow his wife on Twitter, you totally should. She has already posted multiple cute videos, one of her celebrating her birthday at Wrigley Field singing Go Cubs Go, another with her and Christina Lackey like sharing a toast of 2016 wine that just said you if you know you know. Brittany Arietta is a great follow and you should totally follow her on Twitter. The other big news of the week since we last spoke to you all isn't Cubs news, but kind of tangentially relates to the Cubs, as you'll see in a second. Fernando Tatis Jr., the phenom shortstop for the San Diego Padres, he's 22 years old, people, just signed a 14-year, $340 million extension to ensure that he will be a Padre until he is 36 years old. The Multiple things about this blow my mind, but the first is, Tatis might be able to sign an additional deal after this. He's only going to be 36 when this deal is over. 
I don't remember the last time I heard of a 14-year extension. Andy, what do you think about Tatis's new contract? I mean, that's just crazy if you think about it. I mean, this man just signed a decade and a half, almost a decade and a half contract and can still sign another one. Like, that's insane to me, but it's so well-deserved. I mean, this kid is just everything that MLB needs right now, and good for him. Good for him to be able to um, do this with the talent and the hard work that he's put into his craft. And, you know, he still had, what was it, four years on his current contract. So um, the dedication that the Padres are showing to his talent and to where he could go and, you know, what he is going to be to that franchise is really impressive. I mean, you're talking about a small market team right now that is figuring out a way to sign massive deals to lock in massive talent. And to me, that's just so reassuring about um, the precedent that needs to be set in baseball right now, because it it just there's so many other franchises that are kind of dropping the ball on what they could be doing and, you know, where the money is. And I understand there is a whole science and formula behind it. But if the Padres can figure out a way to lock down this, you know, millennial talent right now for the amount that they did, I just feel like there could be more happening in other franchises. So Thank you, Padres, for for being the example right now and making sure when you have a good player that you keep them around. I mean, this is sort of where I want to go with this because, look, props to the Padres. I'm so excited that they did what you're supposed to do with young generational talent and signed him to a long-term deal to ensure that he doesn't go somewhere else. But why haven't the Cubs extended anyone other than David Bodie and Kyle Hendricks? Where is my Javi Baez extension? Where is my Wilson Contreras extension? Anthony Rizzo signed a team-friendly deal with the Cubs years ago, and it runs out at the end of 2021. I am going to lose it if Anthony Rizzo ever plays anywhere else. The man should retire a Cub and then get a statue. Are we really going to have a situation here where the Cubs just don't extend any of this core? What is going on in the city of Chicago with extensions? Yeah, that it's just it's it's so disheartening to me because you know I I thought about it and you posed this question as something you wanted to discuss today, obviously, and and who would I like to see as um, a, a major extension with this Chicago Cubs core? And um, you know, it's funny because everybody knows that I am a Javi Baez girl. Javi is my dude. Like I've always that's just my number one, right? But my immediate gut reaction was Anthony Rizzo, like. That was my immediate reaction. Yes, I want Javier Baez around forever. Like, that is that is not even a discussion. But Anthony Rizzo deserves it. He needs to have that. He needs to be a Cub for his entire career. I mean, if that doesn't happen, I, I don't even, I can't even wrap my brain around what um, could make that not happen. You know, there's got to be something really ridiculous that has to happen for, for the Cubs to drop the ball on that. It, it just... To me, it, it seems like a given, and he definitely, you know, he's shown his loyalty. He has, you know, been such a leader in so many different ways for this team. He has grown up, basically, as a Chicago Cub. It's it's time to start giving back to these kids that have done so much for a franchise that was hurting for the type of players that these guys, you know, needed to be, and they have been. Uh, You know, and it's just so sad. You know, you see people like John Lester who wanted so desperately to end his career as a Chicago Cub and, you know, don't, don't do, don't do this to us again. You know, (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's all about us, the fans, right? No, not, (laughs) not always, but I mean, Anthony Rizzo deserves it. He definitely was one that took a, a very 
um, team-friendly deal to be able to have good talent alongside him. And that loyalty has got to, has got to be paid back in dividends. I agree with you. The Rizzo extension should have been done a year ago. It should have been done yesterday. I hope they're talking about it right now. As many of you know, the Cubs do not generally talk extensions once games start. So the clock is ticking here. If any extension is going to get done, it's going to get done before March 1st when that first spring training game happens. And I really think that in in order of priorities for me, I think that you get Anthony Rizzo done first. You do whatever you need to do to get Javier Baez locked up because, frankly, I think the entire city of Chicago is going to lose it if Javier Baez ever plays anywhere else. And then you sign Wilson Contreras to a long-term deal because the man is a improving starting catcher who has finally fixed his framing issues, is the second or third best hitting catcher in the game of baseball right now, and you absolutely want that leadership on your team long term. Now, that leaves the very interesting question of where does this leave Chris Bryant? And frankly, Andy and I have talked about this before. I've always thought that Chris Bryant is the odd man out here, partially because he's represented by Scott Boris. And I think that if you sign the Bryant extension, you probably can't do at least two of the other three. And I would rather have three of four than two of four. And that's just sort of like the basic math in my head. But Andy, what do you think about Chris Bryant and his future in Chicago? Yeah, 100%. I am with you on that, too. And that kind of just feels like um, as much as we all want that to happen, and we really like, I feel like there was a lot of people that were very outspoken about this right off the bat, you know, like Chris Bryant needs to be signed, you know, put the other players out there, let us see what we can get back in return type situation. But, But Chris needs to be locked down. I feel like that has kind of shifted gears a little bit, because I think um, the ask is going to be so high that people have come to understand what this actually looks like in terms of, you know, what other talent you're able to surround him with if we do lock him down for what the asking price is going to be. It's just, it's not going to be feasible. And I, I think, you know, just as kind of looking through social media these days and not hearing so much of the Chris Bryant calls, I think that it's, that's kind of the reaction now that people are like, I would rather have three or four than, you know, none than one, you know, and like that's, and that's kind of the way I look at it too. I just feel like that price tag is going to be so enormous and, and so high that it's going to be impossible to try and find dollars for, for your other guys. So um, yeah, I mean, I love Chris Bryant. He has been so amazing to the Chicago Cubs, but unfortunately I do feel like he's the odd man out in this situation. I, and I don't, I don't think that that has nothing to do with him. I feel like, well, I mean, it does have something to do with him, but I feel like it has more to do with his agent and his agent's reputation than it has to do with, you know, Chris Bryant, which is unfortunate. And it is the way that baseball is, you know, and, and obviously, you know, he's going to ask what he thinks he can get. And, you know, whatever the conversations are right now between Boris and the Chicago Cubs, we don't know. We will probably never know, or if there is, it even is a conversation, but the temperature is already being set as far as where that goes. I mean, Boris is not a stupid man. You see some of the other contracts that he's maneuvered in his day. And I just don't think it's realistic to think about to put Chris Bryant as a priority, you know, I mean, obviously on my wish list, he's on there, but money wise and the way that contracts are going right now and the way that the Chicago Cubs are handling 
contracts and extensions and everything else. I just don't see it happening. I agree, unfortunately, and that's no shade to Chris Bryan. I think he's been an awesome member of the Chicago Cubs. I think he's an outstanding baseball player. I was recently on another podcast where I was asked about KB, and I I said point blank. I think that as soon as he gets a long-term deal, he is going to settle in and return to that MVP caliber player that he was in 2016 and 2017. The problem is I don't think that the Cubs have the resources at the moment to lock down all of that talent. And if you're looking at it just from a purely numbers game, would you rather have an all-star borderline hall of fame, first baseman, starting all-star shortstop, starting all-star catcher, or would you rather have one of those plus a third baseman who might return to form? And I just, I don't know how you make that decision with, as the Cubs have signaled limited resources. Although we all know that I think that signaling is built on a house of cards. One other thing I want to say about the Fernando Tatis Jr. extension, because I saw this stat last night, Will Middlebrooks, the former Red Sox infielder, posted this, and it just absolutely blew my mind. Andy, Fernando Tatis Sr. in his entire career made $17.3 million. His son (laughs) just signed a deal to make more than that every year for the next 14 years. Can we talk about how baseball salaries have changed so much just in the time we've been alive. I mean, <laughs> that is, that is insane. That is, that is crazy. And his, his dad was even the same guy that hit two grand slams in one inning for the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, Oh yeah. Like, he was yeah. not like a replacement level dude. Right. right. He was, <laughs> he was, he was pretty good. I mean, it's just, it's just it's just insane. And honestly, you can say that contracts have changed so much over our lifetime. They've changed so much in the last 10 years. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to me that the, the levels to which we have gotten, um, you know, when we, when Trout was getting ready to sign his extension and the numbers that we were talking for him were like, well, just wait another couple of <laughs> years, we're going to be up to the 300 millions. And, you know, another couple of years will be up to the, you know, half a billion. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I feel like it's gotten a little bit out of control. <laughs> I mean, that might be underselling of it a bit, but yes, I mean, these guys are extremely talented, but that's a whole lot of freaking money. <laughs> that's a lot, a lot of money. And to think about where it's only going to go over the next, however many years, it's just, it, it's really hard to, to fathom. Well, it is a lot of money. I do think it's worth recognizing that for every Fernando Tatis Jr., there are like dozens of dudes playing in the minor leagues for peanuts. So I think that there's there's such an inequality of these contracts, right? Like the valuation for a Tatis or a Trout or an Arenado is so different than your everyday average baseball player. And I, I think that when these negotiations wind up happening the owners really like to frame it as if they're spending oh so much money because of all of these deals like Fernando Tatis has when those are really like what there are five, six contracts in major league baseball that look like that. And everyone else is kind of doing the, you know, league minimum two, $3 million a year, sign a three-year deal for $5 million like David Bodie and get yourself $15 million. And no, look, I would love $15 million. David Bodie is fine. And I am glad for that. And like, I am not worried about David Bodie's finances, but we don't talk about those contracts, right? We talk about 
the huge contracts because those are shinier and more interesting. And I think as the CBA comes up, it'll be interesting to see how deals like Tatisa's get framed in that whole narrative. We will definitely be talking more about the CBA. We have a lot to talk about today on this episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. The Cubs have signed a couple of relief pitchers that you will definitely want to hear about. But first, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. All right, two other deals that the Cubs made recently. Andy, tell me what you think about these. I'm going to start with the one that is less shiny, but Cubs fans like more. Hats left back in Chicago. Pedro Strope has been signed to a minor league deal again. I love this. I absolutely love this. What do you think? I mean, listen, I'm all about this. I'm all about this. This makes sense. It's, you know, a, a small risk deal where, you know, he's in the minors. But just to have him back in a Cubs uniform, it just feels right. And I feel like it's one of those things where comes in and hopefully able to prove himself to the major league level again and, you know, ends his career as a Cub and ends up, you know, being a coach on some level. I just think that he he belongs with the Cubs. Pedro Strope is a Cub. And it was so weird to see him in a Cincinnati red uniform. Can we just get that image out of our heads already? It was like wrong. Was, no, it was so bad. And they they will never, there will not ever be another team that will appreciate Pedro Strope the way that Cubs fans do. I have seen some um, not Pedro Strope love, but let me tell you, the love that I have seen is so much bigger and so much more than the non-love. Like just, you know, not even talking about his pitching, but just his smile and his personality back on this team is just such a relief. And if he's able to come in and give us some quality innings at some point in the season, I think it's worth, it's completely worth it. Yeah. Pedro has always had kind of that energy of like heart of the team type of guy. Right. And I don't mean that in the same way we talk about Anthony Rizzo as the team captain and the guy who makes stuff work for the Cubs. I mean that more in the He's Pedro Strope is keeping it light in the dugout. He's joking around with people. I, I vaguely remember uh, two or three years ago, Javier Baez was having a real bad game against the Diamondbacks, and he struck out for the second time. If I recall, he claims that he threw his bat and it like shattered this sink in the Diamondbacks visiting clubhouse. I imagine that it might have been more than more than but more of a like hit than a throw because there was some serious damage to that sink. But apparently, Pedro Strope was the one that went to Javi after he was kind of struggling in those first two at-bats and said, don't worry, man, you're going to hit a home run next time. And he did. And I just, look, Pedro Strope can't predict home runs, but he can kind of just keep things chill and light in the dugout in a way that I think this team needs. And I, you know, I talk a lot about character and presence and why those types of things matter. I'm obviously analytically driven, and I think that you have to have the numbers and ability to back that up. But like Andy said, if Pedro Strope makes it back to the major league level, he could have a big impact, honestly, just leading the home run dancing in the bullpen and making people smile. And I think that this is a low risk offer and glad to see Pedro Strope back with the Cubs for another go around. The other relief pitcher they signed is former Red Sox quasi-closer, and I say that because I don't know that he ever really had the job, but he did get a handful of saves for them over the last couple of seasons. Brandon Workman, he's been signed to a $1 million one-year contract, and this is pretty much a low-risk 
uh, deal for the Cubs to see if Workman still got it. The base on balls per nine is a little high for me. It's up in the fives, but the strikeouts are also high. And that's outstanding stuff. He's um, in 2019. I think he struck out over 13 batters per nine innings. More importantly, if he can return to his 2019 self, he was an outstanding run preventer. He was one of those people who might walk a guy or two, but he'd leave them on base. And I think if the Cubs have managed to get 2019 Brandon Workman, that's somebody who could be a really solid seventh, eighth inning option, along with Rowan Wick and, of course, Craig Kimball. Um, I like this, too. I have become fond of the whole one-year low-risk signings in, in the bullpen just because, you know, the the reliever job is one that is ever-changing in, in this game um, these days, and you just feel like situationally there's a lot of different guys that you can pull in that are going to be effective. And whether or not at any point in their career they were effective in their previous, you know, jobs, if you will, um, you know, it, it just, I think it, it's just, it's so smart to try these guys out. If at any point in time they showed the talent or, you know, the skill set that you can work with and pull something out of them, why not? I mean, it's just so low risk. And, you know, guys like this, he's a big guy, 6'5", 235. You know, he's been in the league for a while. He's not a kid. Um, he definitely has experience and he was effective in other situations and never really like labeled a closer, but he could be a very effective setup guy for somebody like Craig Kimbrell. He could come in and definitely get strikeouts. I, I don't, I don't hate this. And like I said, you know, I've kind of, you know, you, you grow tired of complaining about things. So you kind of just jump on board and it's like <laughs> with closers, and all of the one-year contracts that are signed, and not just even necessarily with the Cubs. You feel like it's that way kind of across the board these days. Um, you kind of just have to jump on and just see what what happens, you know, and, and see what the wild ride brings to you. And, and Brandon Workman, I think, is going to be somebody that is going to be one of those situations. You know, if we can get the good Brandon Workman, we may have a very good setup guy in our bullpen with him so yeah I, I i don't i don't hate this i'm actually kind of fond of this and i look forward to to seeing what he can do for us absolutely if the cubs make any other signings we will definitely have them here on the next episode of cup of cubby blue but it's important to remember the pitchers and catchers are already working out at sloan park so hopefully they're pretty much settled in terms of what the 40 man looks like as of right now other news in and around the Cubs. So I want to start with the backup play-by-play -play announcers. As you all may remember, when Boogs Giambi signed on to be the new Len Casper, Andy and I were pretty thrilled about it. But Boog still has a contract with ESPN where he's going to be doing some things for them during the course of the regular season. And what that means for Cubs fans is that for 130 games over the course of the season, Boogs Giambi and JD are going to be your boot. For those other 30 games, they need to bring in somebody to do play-by-play. -play. And the Cubs have decided to do something a little bit different this time with this. They've brought in multiple people to fill those spots. One of those people will be longtime radio voice of the Chicago Cubs, Pat Hughes, who has been on this podcast before. He's amazing. If you've never listened to a game on 670 The Score, you absolutely should. Pat Hughes is one of those voices that you just want to hear talk about baseball. He's a legend. He will win the Frick Award someday, and he will be in the Hall of Fame. I have zero doubt. It'll be so cool to hear him call some games on TV. But by far the headliner here, at least for me, 
is that the Cubs have also added Beth Mullins, who's the long-term softball football announcer. She's worked at ESPN and she will be the first woman to do play-by-play for the Chicago Cubs. Andy, what do you think about these announcements? Okay. I can barely breathe right now. You guys like this (laughs) is everything. Um, Anybody that has listened to this podcast for any length of time knows that my background is softball. I played softball my entire life. I've watched it on TV since it's been televised. Um, I mean, this is like Beth Moen's calling a Chicago Cubs game is like, I I can't even explain. Like, I I might cry. (laughs) This is phenomenal. I have listened to Beth Moen. So she has been calling the um, Women's Softball College World Series for over, for, uh, I want to say pretty close to 20 years, I think was, was what I read here just recently. She and Michelle Smith. So Michelle Smith is a former player, uh, Olympic gold medal winner for the United States pitcher. Those two together, phenomenal. Okay. Beth Moen's is, I, I mean, she is everything to softball. When I think of college softball on TV, Beth Moens is who I think of. Like she is so, so good on and so many different levels. Just the fact that she could work a story into, um, and if you don't have much experience watching college softball, I highly recommend that you just sit through a game, just sit through a game. It doesn't even have to be a playoff game. Although that might be a little bit more exciting they tend to go faster because the pitching is a lot more elite. But whatever you can do, just sit through a game. Beth Moens has the ability to engage just about any watcher, anybody that flips through. And case in point, my husband, who, yes, he will come watch me play when I play slow pitch. It's not the most exciting thing, but there is beverages involved. So sometimes that works. <laughs> but he will come and watch me play. It's not, like I said, he would not choose to do that. If I was not playing, he would never watch softball like that just is not his thing okay I have caught him on a number of occasions watching softball without me like he'll flip it on and he'll say Andy so and so is playing softball on on ESPN and he will be sitting there like and then come back and regurgitate a story that Beth Moen's just told about one of the players because she is so she's just she's so good at her job she's so good at intertwining between play-by-play and the storytelling and the relationships she has with the players. Like, you guys, I am seriously, like, I can feel myself getting verklempt right now. <laughs> like, I am so excited. The, the level that she is going to bring to Chicago Cubs baseball, I understand there's concerns with a certain portion of um, Chicago Cubs audience that is probably stuck on the part of, Beth Moens is a woman, but you need to get the hell over that because she is awesome. And she is going to bring something to you that not only is special because she is a woman, but is special because she is so dang talented. And she can pull things out of people and bring you certain um, points of view and different sides of things that you would never have experienced on your own. And a good play-by-play, a good booth person will can do that no matter if they're male or female and we have been blessed with a lot of those as chicago cubs fans and beth moens is no different this woman is going to be amazing and i'm so excited about this and i'm so happy to be a cubs fan right now yeah i'm pretty happy to be a cubs fan with this one too i was reading some of the comments on twitter and also on bcb that were skeptical of she hasn't called baseball before or can she do this or what? And it's like, come on, people. This is a woman with decades in broadcasting and she's going to be awesome. And it's 
a historic signing for the Cubs. And yes, it's only going to be a handful of games in 2021, but it signals that the team is open to different people taking on roles that they haven't taken on before. And I think that's always a good thing. The last person who will be filling in for a handful of games, and I honestly, this just makes me sigh, is Chris Myers, who was rumored to be at the top of the list for getting the play-by-play job before they opened it up and it went to Books Giambi ultimately. And honestly, I kind of don't get this. Like, why is Marquis trying so hard to bring Chris Myers into the Chicago fold? If there's no, I don't have anything against him. I just don't understand. The first thing I thought of was that scene from Mean Girls where they're like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's like, stop trying to make Chris Myers happen, y'all. That is so great. Can we just talk about Beth Moen some more? Yeah, go for it. Great. I, oh my gosh, that is so fetch. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is, that's hilarious because that is, that's totally what that is. Yeah, I don't get the Chris Myers thing either, but um, I will say that, you know, props to, to Marquis for listening to the call on, on hiring some, some more diverse people. Beth Moens is definitely um, a first for Chicago Cubs baseball. And uh, Chris Myers, I don't know. I don't know how you even put those two in a sentence. I don't have anything against them either, but I just, I, I love that um, Pat Hughes is going to be also in the booth. That is going to be extremely interesting. And I think as um, a TV watcher, I know that a lot of people love to like watch TV and turn on the radio. So they have the best of both worlds type situation when it, it's not the Cubs broadcast that they're listening to. But I think Pat Hughes in the booth is going to be awesome. And I'm really going to have to like, you know, cause you, you're kind of accustomed to like hearing certain voices when you're watching Cubs baseball. So like, I'm really going to have to think about what's happening when I hear <laughs> Pat Hughes, like, wait a second, <laughs> is the radio on somewhere? Like what's happening? Um, but yeah, I, the Chris Myers thing, I'm okay with him, you know, spot filling in whatever he needs to. I don't, I think that there is a, a good reason. I'm not saying that I know what that reason is. There's a good reason why he didn't get that job and why he's just being slotted as a fill-in guy. So hopefully, um, you know, what we get from the other folks is, you know, is just as good as the day-to-day I'm just so excited that this is who we get to listen to this summer. And, you know, the way that the pandemic is going, I really, I'm pretty confident that there will be a Chicago Cubs baseball. So I'm really looking forward to um, getting to, getting to, you know, hear all these folks call our favorite team this summer. I mean, what a way to, to, to start the season with this news. Yeah, it's going to be pretty incredible listening to, I mean, this is just an outstanding glut of talent, people. I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Between Boots Giambi and Jim Deshays, Pat Hughes, Beth Moens, and Chris Myers, I, it's going to be a lot of really strong voices in the booth for the Chicago Cubs. And the way things are going with vaccinations, the way I think I just heard on the news yesterday that they purchased a bunch more of the Moderna vaccine. And so they think that they'll be able to get all of the adults, at least, in the country Uh, vaccinated by the end of July, which if that happens, Andy, you and me have a date in the bleachers in August because I have needed my Cubs and Wrigley Field more than I can say, and I miss watching baseball with my girls. So hopefully we'll be able to have a full baseball season 
people will be getting vaccinated, fighting off COVID, and we'll get to hear some new voices calling the Cubs. And you know, it's it's never going to be the same as it was with Len. I'm going to miss Len the same way that I missed Harry Carey. You just get used to hearing that one voice over and over again. But this is an outstanding array of talent, and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Like, if we have to replace um, Len, which, you know, no one ever thought this time last year that we'd ever be doing that. But if we have to replace him, these are definitely the folks that I would have picked, that I would have wanted. So very excited about that. And it'll just be another voice that we will have to get used to. You know, it's just one of those things. And and we're very lucky to have gotten to listen to Len for all the years that we did. But I'm really excited about getting to listen to these these folks as well. I mean, you know, Chicago Cubs baseball is is on the horizon. Like it's it's right there. And I'm telling you, this video that I mentioned at the start of the podcast, go go watch it because it's got all the sounds of of baseball. It, you know, the sounds that you miss, like the, the 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 sound of the ball in the glove, and you know, the guys hooting and hollering and everything else. And uh, gosh, I just I, listen. The second I turned that on and I saw that, I was like, ah, oh, I miss baseball so much. I'm so happy to be back talking about it with you, and I'm so ready to watch some Chicago Cubs this year. I kind of wonder what Len thinks that the Cubs needed to hire four people to replace him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. <laughs> Len, Len, you were so good at your job. We need four people to step in and fill your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Not just any four people. Like those four people are kind of a big deal. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would feel pretty honored. <laughs> yeah, I hope he does. Uh, I will definitely be listening to Len call some White Sox games on the radio this summer because I'm going to miss his voice. Last but certainly not least, y'all may have recalled that the obviously Cubs convention was canceled this year. There was nothing that happened in its place. And there was some outcry on Twitter from, you know, some of the Cubs Twitter Twitterati wondering, What's going on here? Couldn't the Cubs have put together a Zoom thing or like done some stuff on Marquee, given us some player interviews, something? Well, it turns out they are. They're just doing it now. I don't know if they were already planning this or if they got some inspiration from the complaints on Twitter or what. But I have a small gripe with this. Like, I think the idea is good. I'm glad that they're going to be doing a week's worth of programming, introducing fans to Boo, bringing back the kids' press conference, which is frankly the cutest thing that happens Every CubsCon, kids are so unpredictable in the questions that they ask and how they ask them. It's just adorable. Bringing back some players for interview. It's going to be, it looks like, part social media, part Zoom-type conference stuff, part on on Marquee. So whether or not you're in the Chicagoland area and have Marquee Sports Network, you should still be able to catch some of this content. But my gripe is that the Cubs have decided to call this unconventional And long-term listeners of this show know that unconventional was definitely already a thing. Our friends, Danny Rocket from the Sun Ranto podcast and IBMB have been hosting unconventional for years in conjunction with CubsCon. And Andy, you came to CubsCon and unconventional last year. Why don't you tell people a little bit what the unconventional experience is like? Um, Oh my gosh, this is so well done. And what a cool thing to kind of get together and be able to... um, I don't know, just be able to be in person around a lot of folks that you conversate with on social media during the year. So basically what happened last year, and this was my only time being able to be there um, with the convention and unconventional. Um, we, Sarah and I were part of a panel that basically discussed, you know, the, the, the 
Cubs baseball and, and how it was going to look for this past season, obviously unknowing with the pandemic, um, we were a little off, but I mean, you know, it was, it was a very cool atmosphere. You know, there's a lot of different stuff happening. Danny's band played. Um, there was some fundraising happening, you know, it, it was just, it's such a cool atmosphere and the energy there was so great. And it was like, kind of, I don't want to say at the end of the convention, but it was on Saturday night. So it was kind of like everything that I wanted to do or gotten to do. It was kind of the, the, um, the ending to that. So it was perfect, you know, for our situation. It just, it, it I'm, I'm really, I have to say, I'm really disappointed in this and them using the unconventional, um, every time I see it, I kind of get a little heated. Um, obviously, <laughs> we're, obviously, we're friends with Danny, and you know he works very hard on what he does, and his creative mind works in ways that I can only—I <laughs> I don't even venture to guess how he comes up with some of the stuff he comes up with. But he—his he, brain is 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 so good at what he does, and he thought of this and and kind of got this going with. Um, um, Ivy Envy and you know for them to kind of slide in and just take it because they can I don't know I don't love that and I definitely don't believe for a second if the case is that they didn't know that he did this I think that is probably some very tall um, nonsense as well so yeah this this bugs me a lot and I could use much harsher words to say in ways that it bugs me but <laughs> you guys get my point you get my drift this is a very cool event put on by Danny and Ivy Envy and not the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that's important here is that the original Unconventional, which we are still the OG Unconventional, uh, is such a fun meeting of the heart of Cubs vlogging, podcasting. The folks from Cubs Insider are there. The folks from Bleacher Nation are there. We all hang out, and it's one of those things where I don't I don't even know. It's almost like the cool after party that you get invited to by the people that you spend all summer watching games with on Twitter, right? Like these are the people that people who listen to Cup of Cubby Blue, people who listen to the podcast that Danny is doing uh, with Sun Ranto, people who listen to the Cubs Insider podcast, which I think is a YouTube show now called The Rant. I could be wrong about that. But, you know, these are the hardcore fans, people who are in and around Chicago, people who want to hear that slightly different take on news that you get from fan base coverage that you don't necessarily get from watching Marquee or watching ESPN and, or MLB Network. And no shade to any of those places. It's just a little different thing. If you listen to the show, you know that we're not giving you the same thing that you're getting on MLB Network. And we all come together. It's once a year after the convention where we just get to sort of let it all out and have our conversation about what we saw at the convention. And it can be about any number of things, the signings that have happened. What does Marquee Sports Network look like? I mean, Evan Altman from Cubs Insider was definitely like unfiltered about his feedback on Marquee Sports <laughs> Network last year. And Andy is laughing because she knows. I find it hard to believe, like Andy said, that the Cubs were totally unaware that unconventional already existed as a branded type of thing out there that fans had created for themselves in conjunction with the weekend that is CubsCon. And it just feels like they could have picked a different name, right? Like, it's not like the Cubs don't pay however many people 
thousands of dollars to do their own marketing and branding. So to kind of scoot in with what is admittedly a brilliant name and a brilliant branded event that already existed and claim it as their own. I don't know. It didn't sit well with me either. We are original and conventional forever. Um, amen. And I look forward to the day when we can go back to the unconventional and what it actually is and not this online nonsense that I'm not even going to get to partake in because I'm out of market. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can do like the Zoom stuff or the TikTok stuff or whatever. Apparently Clark's doing some things on TikTok and I know you're a big TikToker. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. I'll wait (laughs) for the actual unconventional and when I can maybe go back to a Cubs convention and when everybody can go back to, you know, what, what, you know, stay in their lane. Cubs, you had the convention. We had the unconventional. <laughs> <laughs> when unconventional comes back where it belongs at the G-Man Tavern, you know that Andy and I will be there. In the meantime, we are keeping tabs on everything that is going on with the Cubs at Sloan Park as spring training gets underway. We will be back next week, but until then, you can follow everything that's going on with the Cubs by following us. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue, and we will be be back next week with everything you need to know about your Chicago Cubs for the 2021 season. Bye.